Who's to blame for the horrific murder of children and adults at a Nashville Christian school? Not the shooter, according to the media and the left-wing activist class. Rather, it's the fault of Christian conservatives. That's what we're hearing. If you can't tell, I'm feeling kind of fiery today, so buckle up. This is a big episode. I got a lot to say. It's brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week. Today, we are going to give an update on the Nashville shooting and the reaction since then. There's a lot to analyze. There's a lot that I think that we as Christians really need to care about and make sure that we have the proper perspective on. I'm very thankful for the feedback that I've gotten from Tuesday's episode Sounds like, thankfully, by the grace of God, it was an encouragement, a buoy for a lot of you who, like me, were feeling a lot of despair and a lot of sadness. Um, I just prayed that the Lord would give me both peace and words of hope to give to y'all, and hopefully he was able to deliver that for y'all. And so thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for your feedback and all that. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. My tone and my feeling on today's episode is probably more a tone of frustration than it was on Tuesday. I'm still very sad. I'm still very upset about this. I just feel so heartbroken for these parents who are waking up without their child, not able to go through the normal morning routines with their nine-year-old kids that they typically do. I think about them every night, or I have for the past few days, every night before I fall asleep, every morning when I wake up, I honestly, I feel the Holy Spirit giving me words to pray for them. And I'm grateful that the Lord is near the brokenhearted. And I've already seen, kind of as we talked about on Tuesday, the Lord used this in a way that is redemptive. These parents and their faith is unshakable by the power of God. And so they are preaching the gospel to their friends, the hope of Christ, the hope of eternal life with Christ, even after the tragedy of their nine-year-olds being unjustly taken away by this murder. So praise God for that. He brings beauty out of ashes. He's going to continue to do that. And as we talk about the things that we're talking about today, just the outright unabashed animosity towards Christians, the antipathy towards the murder of Christian children and adults, I just want you to take heart that Jesus has already overcome the world. Jesus tells us, John 15, 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hates you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So please keep that in mind today as we're talking about the things that we're talking about. We can get angry, we can get frustrated, but we do so as, you know, it's a natural human emotion, but also with the knowledge and the expectation that this is what it is going to be like to be a Christian. It's not a victim complex. I know who wins in the end. It's Jesus. I know we're going to be fine eternally, and I know who's not going to be fine eternally. But the reality is that there will be hardship. There will be difficulty. There will be trouble. There will be animosity. There will be rejection of Christianity and of Christ. And that is the history of the Christian church. We've kind of had some reprieve from that in the West and specifically in the United States for the past several decades, for the past couple hundred years. But that time is 
is coming to a close. It's no longer like that anymore. Cultural Christianity is not something that's accepted. There are goods and there are bads that come with that. The bad is that humanity and specifically the United States is going to suffer. They're going to suffer under um, a different kind of ideology that does not have any clear set of virtues or principles or morals that will only lead to chaos and destruction and pain and hopelessness. So that's the bad part. The good part about cultural Christianity dissipating, diminishing completely, and Christians being pushed to the margins is that that's historically where Christians have shown. That is where we have, uh, that's where, where we have done our best. That is the city on the hill. When the Christians are pushed out of the mainstream, we're pushed into the margins and we're no longer the pervasive cultural, moral arbiters. That's actually when we stand out the most because you separate the wheat from the chaff. It's no longer convenient. It's no longer comfortable. It's no longer lucrative to be a Christian. It's actually risky and uncomfortable. You're not going to get patted on the back. You're not going to get accepted by the world, especially if you actually abide by what the Bible really says about things like gender and sex and marriage and morality. And so you get all of these very bold and very real Christians who may be on the margins, but they're out there. They're sharing the gospel. These are the Christians who have counted the cost and said, yes, following Christ unto death is worth it. And so they're actually goods to this hatred that we will talk about today in the media from the mainstream culture um, rising so much. It's scary because we see violence and we see real live persecution. Sometimes that word is overused and sometimes it is completely appropriate. When it comes to this, it's appropriate. There's a lot of danger, a lot of fear surrounding that, but there's a lot of hope too that this is this is when and this is how God uses the church the most and the best when things are darkest, we shine the most brightly. And so there's something also to be excited about too, I think, with this. Um, so let us get into it a little bit. First, let me give you a little bit of an update on what's going on. So the FBI is currently analyzing Hale's manifesto and will be releasing it. Hale, this is the last name of the shooter, will be releasing it when they are finished, according to the New York Post. However, there are some news stories saying that they are not actually going to publish the manifesto. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why they wouldn't post the manifesto, probably because it confirms what we all suspect, that this person who is a woman, there is confusion about that. This is a woman, a person who was born a woman, but who started identifying as a man who started going by the name Aiden rather than the name Audrey and started using he, him pronouns recently. A 28-year-old woman um, decided that she was transgender and she targeted specifically this Christian school where she was a former student. And the assumption is, at least on my part, that she feels like she had some trauma and rejection from this school who ostensibly holds to biblical values, one of which is that God made us male and female, Genesis 127, and decided to take out her frustration and her anger against Christianity, maybe against her upbringing, maybe against her parents, um, on nine-year-olds. That's what sin does. It deludes you into thinking, one, that you're something that you're not. So a man, when you're a woman, 
too, um, that vengeance is something that can be yours and should justly be taken out against people who did absolutely nothing to you. You exchanged the truth of God for a lie, which is what she did in a variety of categories. And then as we talked about on Tuesday, in her last messages, she said that she was going to commit suicide. That's something that Satan convinced her she would be able to do, that she would have power over life and death, basically a different form of the same lie that he told Eve, that you can be like God. And in the end, she she didn't even have power over that. She was actually killed very justly by the police. So it's all these delusions, all these lies came together in the destruction of lives because that's what sin does. That's what Satan does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He convinces you of things that aren't true, that sound good. He justifies your anger. He justifies your vengeance. And then you go out and you destroy lives and you are destroyed in the process. And now Audrey Hale is exactly where Satan has always wanted her for all of eternity. She has only now realized realizing in the most gruesome way that we can possibly imagine that it was not worth it. So we will see, though, we will see if the manifesto comes out, if it is confirmed um, that this was her motivation. I think it's very important for us to know the motivation. It's very important for us to be able to di diagnose this. It's very important for us to know what could possibly inspire someone to shoot up a school that contains students only kindergarten through sixth grade and kill a bunch of nine-year-olds as well as three people on staff there. Um, however, the media is really not interested in that. The media is not interested in motivations. The media is not interested in what inspired someone to specifically target a bunch of Christian children. They don't see this as um, the targeting of Christians, which is interesting because if you looked at the shooting at Pulse nightclub, it was immediately assumed that this is the targeting of gay people. This is the targeting of the LGBTQ community. Anytime there is a shooting of a synagogue, I think we rightly assume that someone is targeting Jewish people. If there was a shooting up of a mosque, do you think that there would be any question about whether or not this is motivated by so-called Islamophobia? But this is, again, a cute little trick that the left plays when it happens to be white victims, when it happens to be Christian white victims, especially Christian white Southern victims. I think the assumption probably is that they are conservative kids of conservative parents. We don't talk about the identity of the victims. Like we don't talk about them specifically being targeted or maybe what rhetoric could have driven this or what policies could drive this kind of animosity. Instead, we only talk about the guns. Instead, they talk about punishing you, someone who had nothing to do with this, by taking away your ability to defend yourself and your family rather than asking the question, what is underneath a crime like this that would target children, children in general, but specifically in this case, Christian children. Remember Sutherland Springs a few years ago in Texas where Christians at a church were targeted. Did you hear about anti-Christian rhetoric? maybe building up to a crime like this? No, of course you didn't hear it. Instead, what we are hearing is actually trans people are the victim here. Trans people are the ones that we should have sympathy for. I'm not even asking the media to have sympathy for Christians in general. Like that is beyond any kind of expectation that I would have. But like at the very least, just as, I don't know, a human being who's 
like sense of compassion should be functioning somewhere above like 1% at any given moment. At least focus on the fact that children died. Like, or at least focus on the fact that people died. Focus on the actual victims of this crime. The media cannot even do that. They can't even do that. Instead, they are focusing on the fact that the shooter might actually have been a victim herself because the right is so mean about transgender people. I'm not kidding you. So the Daily Mail published this. Nashville mass school shooter Audrey Hale was rejected by her Christian parents who, quote, couldn't accept she was gay and trans. As cops reveal, she also planned to shoot relatives. Okay, what is amazing about this and so confusing? And I've seen other people point this out. So like this person is clear, this outlet is clearly going down the path of affirming this person's transgender identity. The Daily Mail doesn't always, but often does. I mean, sometimes they post more like conservative culture war stuff, but the media certainly uses the quote unquote preferred pronouns, even when we're talking about murders and rapists and things like that. Like when we are talking about men being allowed into women's prisons after they identify as a woman, even though they are in prison for raping women. Like you will see these outlets use she, her pronouns. They will have the audacity to say something like her testicles or her penis. And yet here, when it's a woman identifying as a man, a lot of these outlets will still use she, her pronouns. And I just think it's very odd. I think it's very odd how the media and the left are so much quicker to bow down to the people that they know are actual men, but who are identifying as women than they are the women who identify as men. There's something there. I'm just going to let you, I'm just going to let you think on that. I'm going to let that marinate a little bit. Why that could possibly be. Just think about that a little bit. So here's what uh, Daily Mail reports. Ronald 64 and Norma 61 apparently refused to let Audrey, again, this is the female name, dress as a man in their home. She lived with her parents. So that's also an interesting part of this. She was 28 years old and lived with her parents. Um, I'm not saying that's unheard of. I'm not saying that always means that someone like is a derelict or there's something wrong with them, but that's pretty unique to be almost 30 years old and living at home with her parents. It seems to me like there was some kind of need for dependency there. I'm not sure that she was completely capable of of being financially independent. She was in school for art. She was an artist. I'm not sure if she was on, um, if she had any kind of specific diagnosable special needs. I heard some people say that maybe she was on the autism spectrum. I obviously can't confirm that. If so, that is a very, um, that's very interesting because actually the crossover between people who are on the autism spectrum and who think that they are transgender, there's there's a really big connection there. There's a really big crossover there. Again, just something we can't get into right now. Just pause and think about why that might be. So she lived with her parents in their Nashville home. Um, and then she wouldn't actually change clothes into being a man when she was there. But when she would go to school, when she would leave their home, she apparently would change their clothes. Um an unnamed Daily Mail source said, you only see what you want to see. Their religion does not allow, allow them to accept homosexuality. She was Audrey at home, but when she left the house, she changed clothes. Neighbors say she introduced herself as Audrey as late as a year and a half ago. Police say Audrey planned to kill some of her family members and was planning to also target one of the malls in Nashville, according to CBS. Uh, Daily Mail said her parents rejected her when she came out as gay, but it's unclear what that means exactly. So this is the thing. This is something I keep hearing. It's not just from the Daily Mail, but a lot of activists and people on the left. Well, her parents rejected her. 
The school rejected her. And think about, like, we talked about that tweet on Tuesday where someone was like, can you even imagine what the anti-gay curriculum would have been in the early 2000s when this person uh, went to school? They basically said, of course she killed the head of school. That must have been really difficult. Like, that is, that's where the sympathy is directed from people on the left right now, that this person probably went through trauma and rejection and bullying because of her stated identity and sexual orientation. And therefore, I guess they believe that it justifies it in some way. But how was she rejected? Was she kicked out of that school? We don't have evidence of that. Her family still allowed her to live at home in their $700,000 house. So they didn't kick her out. What they mean by rejected is that her parents refused, as any good loving parents would, refused to affirm her delusions, knowing how harmful those delusions are to her body and mind. And because apparently they are Christians, they refuse to lie. Of course, that's what any genuine Christian parent would do. They would say, look, I've got to agree with God first. God says that he made us male and female. And they would say to their daughter, look, God made you perfectly in your mother's womb. At the point of conception, he determined that you were a girl. And we are going to affirm that because we love you, because we think your body is good. And I'm sorry that you're confused. I'm sorry that you're suffering. I'm sorry that you're struggling. We will do everything we can to help you reconcile your mind with the body that God gave you. But we are not going to affirm any kind of path that causes you to mutilate your body. Of course, that's what a good parent does. And so from my perspective, these parents are simply doing what God has called them to do, which is really hard when you've got an adult child who is living at home. And yet Daily Mail, at least implicitly here, seems to be blaming them. Other people on Twitter, which if you're not on Twitter, I just don't recommend it. It's a cesspool of just disgusting, disgustingness. And so the the implication here is that maybe it was the parents' fault for not saying, yeah, you know what, Audrey, you are a man. Let's just go ahead and affirm that. And I saw Seth Dillon point this out. So basically the deal is, this is what we keep hearing from the other side. Reject what you see with your eyes. Reject what you know about biology. Reject reality. Accept the fact that men will become women and go into girls' restrooms. Accept the fact that a man like, quote unquote, Leah Thomas, will change and get completely naked in front of a bunch of unconsenting girls on the swim team, accept that. Be okay with that. Allow men to compete against women and don't you say a word. Allow your children to mutilate their bodies because they're confused about their gender. Completely disregard your daughter's right to privacy, their right to safety. Take your kid to the a child drag show. Be okay with little boys dressing up like girls and dancing provocatively in front of adults for money in the name of child drag. Be okay with curriculum that tells your kids that they can change their gender and maybe God placed them in the wrong body. Be okay with chemical castration of 10-year-old boys. Be okay with double mastectomies of 16-year-old girls. Be okay with all of that. And don't just be okay with it. Celebrate it or you will die. That's the deal that we're getting. That's the deal that we're that we're getting from the left, that if you don't accept and celebrate all of these harmful delusions, even when it comes to your children, you will continue to see this kind of violence. And basically the implication is, and you will deserve it.
Do you think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. Let's keep going because that's just one example. NBC claims the trans community is in fear after shooting. So again, this is what we're talking about. After three nine-year-olds were murdered by a person who thought she was transgender, the focus is on the fact that transgender people are actually scared. Not the fact that three nine-year-olds will never come home. That the next time their parents will see their bodies is in a casket. No. People who think that they are the opposite sex are scared. That's what NBC thinks that you and I need to focus on. So here's what they say. Within 10 minutes of the police saying Hale was transgender, the hashtag trans terrorism was trending. Kim Spoon, a trans activist in Knoxville, Tennessee, said, we are terrified for the LGBTQ community here. More blood's going to be shed and it's not going to be shed in a school. Blood was just shed of nine-year-olds in a Christian school. Get over yourself. It's not about you. Maybe shut up for like one second. I know it's impossible for this activist class to do, to stop thinking about themselves and think about the facts. Think about the fact that we shouldn't be focusing on imaginary victims. We should be looking at the real victims of violence. And look, I'm not even asking you to say, well, this is the problem with gender ideology or this is the problem with transgenderism, although I'll get into that. I'm just asking you to say someone murdered other people and we should be focusing on the victims right now. Like that is the that that is the least you could do. And you can't. And you can't because you worship yourself. And so of course all you can think about when children die is you and how it affects you. Of course, because you worship the god of self. All of these people do. So, NBC goes on to say, Denise Sadler, a trans drag performer, he said that he has already hired four armed guards before the shooting to secure a drag show he is hosting at a gay bar in Nashville. Oh, I'm so boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. Sadler said, you don't know if the shooter's gender identity is going to trigger a community of people who already hated us to come and try to shoot us just to prove a point. I don't want to hear anyone say that Christians have a victim complex. Literally, all you guys do is talk about being victims. That's how you guys get, that's how Democrats get any votes. Like, that's how you get all these corporations to donate money to your causes because you're constantly talking about being victims of the very same kind of people that someone in your community just murdered, by the way. Uh, Aislinn, Aislinn Bailey, acting president of Tri-Cities Transgender, trans-led support and advocacy group in Tennessee, said, I knew that as soon as anyone mentioned that, I guess the person's identity, it was immediately going to become the center focus instead of what should be focused, and that is gun violence in this country. So, again, just when it, the identity of the victim is a white Christian, can we not focus on that? But we just have to focus on the guns. I mean. Maybe that's a little bit better than saying, oh, boo-hoo, let us focus on transgenderism and how hard they have it. Maybe that's a little bit morally better than that. It's still wrong. It's still off. You're still not focusing on the tragedy that just happened. But then this person says, we were already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse. Now you are fearing for your life. Were you? This is a delusion. It's, I mean, it's a delusion in every way. 
But we constantly hear them talking about genocide, genocide. There's a trans genocide. No, there's not. Like, there's no data backing that up. Like, you'll hear, well, you know, X number of trans people were killed last year. Most of those died by suicide. The other ones, they were killed just because sometimes, unfortunately, murder happens. There's no evidence whatsoever that they were targeted in any way for their identity. And very often, by the way, like, transgender lifestyles, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of inherent riskiness when it comes to that. Many of them um, identify as sex workers, um, and I'm not saying all, but there there is there is that like there is evidence of that. Obviously, that is like a riskier lifestyle that you are going to lead. So you're not targeted because you identify as the opposite sex. Like I haven't heard of a man walking into a woman's bathroom who thinks that he is transgender and getting murdered for that. Like, have you heard of any Christian pastors going and killing anyone in the transgender community? And yet we had someone from the transgender community just kill a pastor's kid. So when they talk about we're the ones who fear for our lives, we're so scared. Where's the violence actually coming from? Like, let's just be a little bit smarter about that. So that's NBC. Then the Washington Post uh, wrote this in a headline, Nashville shooting exploited by right to escalate anti-trans rhetoric. Conservatives pounce. The attacks against transgender people and gender-affirming care come at a precarious time for trans rights in America. Again, that's, that's what matters here. At least 38 transgender people were killed last year and 50 were slain in 2021, um, according to tracking by Human Rights Campaign. I mean, that's a very, very, very small number in proportion to the number of people who identify as trans. And there's no evidence. They don't even try to say this in the article. There's no evidence that these are quote unquote hate crimes. There's no evidence that they were targeted because of how they identify. Like I could tell you like thousands of white people or thousands of black people were murdered last year or thousands of women or thousands of Puerto Ricans, whatever it is. And just by stating that, that doesn't actually prove that those people were targeted because of their identity. I'm sure that there were more Christians who were murdered last year than transgender people. And I won't even try to tell you that that is because they were Christian. It just could be because they were at the wrong place at the wrong time. And yet they put out these numbers to emotionally manipulate you without even trying to say that they were murdered because they identified as trans. As hashtag trans terrorism trends on Twitter this week, LGBTQ ad advocates expressed concerns that anti-trans rhetoric in the wake of the Nashville shooting, which killed three children. Oh, just an aside. Oh, by the way, children died. Not quite as important as the fact that some trans people have their feelings hurt this week. Will buoy a blitz of anti-trans bills in state legislatures to restrict access to gender-affirming medical care for both minors and adults. Um, so just a, a reminder, quote-unquote gender-affirming care means chemical castration, hormone blockers, cross-sex hormones for minors. It often means double mastectomies for women and even under the age of 18. As we are seeing here, they say for both minors and adults, it also means that men aren't able, um, these bills they're talking about, they're trying to stop men from being able to compete with women, maybe go in women's bathrooms, go in women's locker rooms. These are very common sense things, very common sense things. I actually was talking to someone who messaged me, I can't give any uh, specifics, who is um, at a, basically a, a rehab center for women to get sober, who have been addicted to drugs, have been addicted to alcohol. 
And many of them have a lot of sexual abuse trauma. And so they have an understandable fear of men. And this place just told them that there is going to be a trans woman, so-called, that's going to be living there. So a man around all of these vulnerable women in a very private, intimate space, these women who have already been through so much trauma. So again, men's desires and men's whims, because they can identify as women and then become a part of the oppressed class, trumps women's safety and privacy. Yeah, there are bills, there are laws that are going to be passed to protect women in those scenarios, and there has to be. So you can call them anti-trans. It doesn't really matter. I mean, someone's got to stand up for the more vulnerable group, which is women. Someone's got to stand up for the vulnerable children who are being preyed upon by this ideology and doctors who just want to make money by pumping them with hormones that don't belong in their body and will render them sterile and slave to the medical industrial complex for the rest of their lives. Yeah, policy should speak to that. And we shouldn't even be having that conversation right now or talking about how you're scared of that right now because that's not the point of what just happened. That's not the tragedy here. The tragedy is that people died. The tragedy is that a little school was just shot up by a delusional human being. Um, And then here's a politician. Politician Catherine Clark. She's a Democrat from Massachusetts. She gave a statement on March 28th in solidarity with the trans community. So a day after after three nine-year-olds were murdered by a transgender person. She didn't stand up and talked about uh, talk about that. She instead stood up and talked about her solidarity with the transgender community. Uh, here she is on the uh, House floor talking about that. Ahead of Trans Day of Visibility, I rise in honor of a community that is being forced to fight for its very existence. I know your strength, but I also know how determined the forces are that have pitted themselves against you. The politicians and preachers who would rather see you languish in a dark closet than watch you engage the world as you do, cultivating joy and love wherever you go. That's the message that she chose to focus on and convey. After six people were murdered by a transgender person. That's where her sympathies lie. Like, these are the very same people who want us to believe that they're sincere when they talk about gun confiscation. I, I'm sorry, I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that. She didn't even shed a tear for these babies who were murdered. Why should I believe she has my best interest, my child's best interest at heart? And by the way, this person also has a son who believes that he is a girl. He, um, in January of this year, he was charged with assaulting a police officer. So that's where she is as a mom. I'm not sure that we should be listening to her advice on anything, at the very least, policy. So there's a U.S. politician focusing on that, a Democrat, which shouldn't surprise us at all. And then we've got others in the media doing the same. And I'll get into that in just one second. The next clip that I'm going to play, as I said before we started rolling, was perfectly created to make Ali Stuckey angry. Everything in it is just like beyond, beyond. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. A lot of the things that we're talking about today make me very 
I think, righteously angry, make all of us very righteously angry. But you know what's something that makes me happy? The clothes from Carly Jean Los Angeles. This is a company that is a light in the darkness because they share the same values that you and I do. They're Christians. They're pro-life. Carly Jean is just an amazing person herself. And um, they make awesome clothes. I'm actually wearing all Carly Jean right now. The shirt that I'm wearing is Carly Jean Los Angeles. The pants that I'm wearing are Carly Jean Los Angeles, which are just super comfortable. I love their basics line because it's all made in the U.S., but all of their clothes are incredible. They really fit and make you feel good in every stage of life and every season of the year. And I just love knowing I'm supporting a company that doesn't just make great products, but shares my values too. Go to CarlyGLosAngeles.com. Use promo code Allie B for 20% off. That's uh, promo code Allie B for 20% off. You always got free shipping over $100. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Promo code Allie B. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. So here is Joy Reid on MSNBC, and she has guests Charlotte Clymer. This is what this person goes by, and uh, someone named Jim Wallace. He is an American theologian, writer, teacher, uh, political activist. If you're watching this, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you know just for context that Charlotte Clymer is is, is trans. I just thought that I needed to let you know be- before you watch this. So uh, here's their fun conversation on MSNBC. And Charlotte, I mean, the thing is that there are real people that are being impacted. Your community is being impacted. And and I wonder if there is a way to disentangle people's sort of not understanding of trans folks, right? I think the T is the toughest one in the alphabet <laughs> soup, right? In the LGBTQ, the, the T gets get right, because people don't have an understanding. People, no. even if they're not mean or not angry, don't have an understanding. Is there a way to sort of disentangle people's not lack of understanding from this Gosh. This moral panic is now getting drag shows banned, even though that isn't trans. No, no. And, <laughs> and I think children are only unsafe at drag shows when a shooter shows up to kill them. That's right. That's where the threat is. I would challenge anyone just to get to know trans people. We are a vibrant, diverse community, as diverse as anyone else. You know, I'm from the great state of Texas. I served in the military. I go to church every Sunday. My faith is very important to me. But God made me in her image. God made me transgender. And to see these people so cynically weaponize this and exploit these children's debts and their teachers' debts, it breaks my heart. I wonder what those families are thinking right now. What do you what do you feel when you have somebody like Michael Knowles say at CPAC, we need to eradicate transgenderism, and when somebody like Tucker Carlson says that transgender people are at war with Christians? I can't see Christ in their words. That's for sure. I can't see where the biblical principles of loving your neighbor and walking the walk with Christ that they can see. I, I can't see what they're seeing right now because that's not of Christ. It's not. Yeah, and, and I'll give you the last word. I'll be stronger. This is anti-Christ. Yes. This is anti-gospel, mm. anti-Christ. Mm. And so <laughs> this is a false worship we're confronting here. We've got to confront it theologically yeah. and not just politically. Amen. Politicians mm. could do something okay. if they wanted to. What's behind that? is they are worshiping a false god, and they are literally sacrificing all our children. I'm from MSU. Yeah. When the hit, shooting hit, 50,000 kids, all the parents called. Yeah. Parents got to not just start keep calling. Parents and students have to act That's right. to change all this, and we can do it. Amen. We can do it. Amen. Uh, Charlotte Clymer, Let's pray for stay these safe. Families. We absolutely are. Absolutely. Uh, Charlotte Clymer, Jim Wallace. Thank you both. Thank I you really Jim. appreciate it. I really, you were the two specific people that I wanted to talk to about this today. So thank you for making yourselves available. 
Oh my gosh. The stay safe at the end. You think you need to tell Charlotte Clymer to stay safe? Really? I think we're I think we're fine. Did you notice God made me in her image? So we have to respect everyone's pronouns. I have to look at Charlotte Clymer and say she her. But I can't read the Bible and say that God calls himself continually he father king and you can disrespect his pronouns by calling him she look God did make you in his image that is very true Genesis 127 says that and it's very specific about what pronouns he uses God made them in his image in his image he created them male and female he created them there is no category of gender identity. There is no category for transgenderism. You might be sincerely confused. I doubt that, by the way, about a lot of these people, men specifically, who identify as women. We've talked about it with Genevieve Gluck. I think there's something much, much more nefarious and much darker underneath the identification as women, actually, um, for a lot of these men who think that they are women. But even if you are sincerely, genuinely confused, that doesn't mean that you are actually the opposite sex. God made us biologically and he made us male or female from the moment of conception. Don't you dare bring up intersex to me. That has nothing to do with transgenderism. Some people are also born with one leg. Guess what? Human beings are still bipeds, okay? And so that has nothing to do with a man deciding that one day he is going to be a woman. It can't happen. All right. And the fact that MSNBC is focusing on this today, the fact that this so-called theologian Jim Wallace had the audacity to say that this is anti-God, anti-Christ, when someone who thought that she was transgender literally targeted Christians at a Christian school and murdered them. Okay, I am fine with confronting this theologically. I, I would love to confront this theologically. I've actually been doing that for a very long time. Jim Wallace, you are welcome on the white couch. Let's get into it. Let's open up the scriptures. I've got a Bible right here. Let's let's look. Let's start actually at Matthew 19, 4 through 5. Jesus says, you know, Jesus, remember that guy? Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Whoa, mind blown. We thought that Jesus never said anything about gender identity. We thought he never said anything about sexuality. We thought he never said anything about marriage. He says it right there. God made them in the beginning, male and female. Do you just deny that God said that? Do you believe that he meant something different when he actually said something so explicit? It's not confusing at all. It's only confusing if you love yourself and love the world more than you love God, which is true of these two individuals, sadly. They worship the God of self, not the God of scripture. The most loving thing that you can do is agree with God. God is very clear throughout scripture that he made us male and female, that he made our bodies good. You cannot identify as something other than that which you are. All right. So that's where the media is. That's the stance that they have taken. It's actually Christian's fault. We're hearing from some people who are blaming the parents or blaming the school. It's the right's fault that this person lashed out in this way because we said, I don't think that children should be allowed to go into what's basically a strip show. The only difference being that men are dressed up as women rather than women just being women. Because 
legislatures decided, you know what, I don't think that boys should be chemically castrated when they're 10 years old or 15-year-old girls should be getting double mastectomies because they think they're the opposite sex. Apparently, it's our fault for saying those things, that these kids got murdered, not the person who was actually carrying the gun. Interesting. Interesting. Um, And yet I ask once again, where is the violence coming from? Where is the violence actually coming from? I mean, I think we all know. This is what the left does because this is what progressivism is as, as an ideology, as we talk about so much. It's inherently destructive. It only knows how to break down. It doesn't know how to build back up. And so whether you're talking about so-called racial justice and you're looking at the destructive riots of 2020 and you're looking at the lives destroyed, the towns destroyed, the buildings destroyed, the people destroyed through the terrorism that we saw in 2020 through 2021, whether you're looking at the insanely high crime and murder rates in the cities that refuse to actually um actually enact and enforce the law, who refuse to actually punish criminals, like whether you are looking at the series of murders that we saw last year, the series of assaults that you're not supposed to talk about, where conservatives were actually targeted for being conservative. Remember Kaylor Ellingson? The kid, I think it was in North Dakota that he was specifically targeted. His murderer said it was because he knew that this guy was Republican. Remember the 83-year-old who was block walking in Michigan in favor of pro-life legislation who was literally shot in the back last year because the man didn't like that she was pro-life? You're not allowed to talk about those things, but I'm not saying that no one on the right has ever been violent. You're not allowed to talk about the pervasive of the violent the pervasiveness of the violence on the left that it is celebrated. Like you remember the guy that showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house last year to try to murder him? You remember that? Like you you remember all of the leftists on Twitter after Roe v. Wade was overturned openly saying that they hope that the Supreme Court justices who were in the majority on this decision, were assaulted, were harmed, were murdered, that their families were made to feel unsafe. You remember that? Do you remember all of the pregnancy centers who were firebombed last year? Where's the DOJ on that, by the way? Oh, they're too busy saying that parents who don't want their kids to be indoctrinated with porn in sixth grade are terrorists. That's where we, I I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand any Christian who doesn't see exactly what moment that we're in. Like, I, I, I don't understand. How do you not see? How do you not have eyes to see the moment that we're in? Um, Katie Hobbs is the Democrat governor of Arizona. And her now former press secretary named Jocelyn Berry, she tweeted, again, this was one day, one calendar day after these children were murdered at Covenant School in Nashville. She tweeted a gif of a woman holding guns with the caption, us when we see transphobes. Wow. That's your choice of words after these children, not even sympathy, not even rest in peace, but a picture of a woman holding guns, guns blazing, 
with the caption, us when we see transphobes. Like, I, what are you trying to say? Are you saying that these kids deserved it? Are you saying that the head of school deserved it? Are you saying that people deserve to be murdered because we believe what people have believed for all of human history, what most people in the world still believe today? I would venture to say 99% of the world still believes today that a man cannot become a woman and vice versa. Thankfully, she was forced to resign. But as we all know, how politics works, especially Democrat politics, she'll get a cushy deal somewhere else. She'll work for another politician. She'll become an activist. It's not like she's going to be written off because here's the here's the ugly truth, guys. No one, not Katie Hobbs, not anyone else on the left was actually appalled by what she said. They're not bothered by it. They're not worried about uh, being associated with her She's not going to be pushed to the margins. She's not going to have any sacrifice in any way. I promise you, she already has a job lined up. She's probably going to go work at Meta or something like that. She'll be a consultant for, I don't know, some Democrat politician. Maybe she'll even get a job in the White House. No one on the left is really bothered by what she said, especially in the political class. Because that's, I mean, that's the belief that this kind of thing, that this kind of thing should be encouraged. That it's totally justified when you hurt the feelings of someone who is in uh, in an oppressed class. Um, Posey Parker, she is a woman's rights advocate, and she has been speaking out about the dangers of gender ideology for a long time. And on March twenty fourth, twenty twenty three, she was holding a rally in New Zealand for women's rights. She was then doused with tomato soup by trans activists, by a, uh, by a man in a dress, a mob of protesters who, who were actually violent rioters, tried to shout her down while she spoke and crowded her while she was trying to leave the event. And we can put up some pictures of that, of what it looked like. Um, they were extremely violent towards her bullying her. She actually had to stop speaking and and stop her event for fear of her life. At one point, a clear liquid was splashed on her by a protester. We don't know what exactly it was. Um, there was a trans activist who attacked her who goes by the name of uh, Eli Rubashkin. Um, then posted on Twitter after it happened, every day is punch a Nazi day. So these people, again, they're so delusional. They've deluded themselves into believing that they are they are not the fascists, that they're the anti-fascists, that they are pushing back against the evil people when they themselves are the evil people. And so there are multiple tweets of this person calling for more violence. Um I do, you know, people were so mad because Marjorie Taylor Greene brought up the fact that maybe this killer, this Covenant School killer was um, on some kind of hormones or on testosterone or something like that. Look, you can be mad at that all you want to. Testosterone does make you more violent. I mean, it does make you more aggressive. I mean, there is a reason why men typically commit more crimes. There's also a reason why they are typically better, you know, at saving lives. But there's also a reason why their aggression manifests itself in violence more often than women. And that is because, in large part, because of the testosterone, because of the hormones that are pulsing through their bodies. And so I'm sorry, testosterone does make you more aggressive. It changes how your mind works. It changes how your body works, especially if you put in a kind of hormone that was never supposed to be in your body in the first place. I'm not saying that everyone who has a high dosage of artificial or natural testosterone is going to be violent. I'm not saying that at all. Like, But let's just, let's follow the science, right? 
I mean, that is actually true. I mean, there is a reason, again, why these men who identify as women are often very aggressive, especially when it comes to people who disagree with them. There is a reason why these women who identify as men who are on these cross-sex hormones often get very aggressive, especially when people disagree with them. There is a reason why, according to the Daily Wire, there is a transgender day of violence that is scheduled for two days from now, April 1st. Apparently, uh, our rights DC, an Antifa group that is part of the anti-fascist action, again, so ironic, is joining forces with the Trans Radical Action Network in an attempt to stop trans genocide and increase the visibility of the transgender community. There's no genocide against trans people. There's not. They are planning a day of vengeance in Washington, D.C., actually a weekend as it's multiple events. The the main march slash rally is April 1st and a kickoff protest on Friday, March 31st. They're working on raising money for firearms training. Remember, there's Rainbow Reload that Tucker Carlson warned about that we talked about on Tuesday. That is a group in New Hampshire that is trying to arm transgender people and telling them that they need to fight against the hate. Uh, the Day of Vengeance website says that the trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming intersex, again, intersex has nothing to do with these things. Communities are facing astronomical amounts of hate from the world. Astronomical. At least 100 gender-affirming care ban bills have been proposed. We've already clarified what that actually means. So far in 2023, six lives have been lost. Oh, which six lives? Oh, you're not talking about the six lives of the children and adults that just got murdered in Nashville. You're talking about random six people that didn't align with being male or female. We have no proof at all that they were murdered for those reasons at all. Okay, that's genocide. Six people that were murdered, which I don't think it's good that they were murdered. I don't want anyone to be on the receiving end of violence. But again, we have no evidence that they were murdered for any kind of anti-trans motivation, and you're calling that a genocide? Okay. All rights DC, who does self-describe as an autonomous community sustaining AFA to demand accountability for injustice. It's wild. Is it? Is there some significance that this is happening on April Fool's Day? Is this when the jig is up? Is this when you guys are going to tell us that Ashton Kutcher is about to pop out and we've all just been punked? That you guys also don't believe that men can become women? I mean, I don't agree with the tactic, but at least this whole thing would be over. Somehow, somehow I I don't believe that. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, so there was a study from the National Library of Medicine, February 2022. A study was published titled Meaning in Life, Future Orientation and Support for Violent Radicalization Among Canadian College Students During COVID-19 Pandemic. It surveyed 3,100 Canadian um, college students. The Radicalism Intention Scale assessed an individual's readiness to participate in illegal and violent behavior in the name of one's group or organization. So a sample item would be this. I continue to support an organization that fights for my group's political and legal rights, even if the organization sometimes resorts to violence. The study found that, quote, transgender and gender diverse students reported higher support for violent radicalization compared to students who identified as women. Wild. I can't believe that. I mean, some of it is because Yes, of what we're talking about, the delusions that come with this kind of belief system and ideology. But a lot of it has to do with Reddit, Discord, 
all different kinds of social media black holes that these people get sucked into. They radicalize one another. They convince each other that there's some genocide. They convince each other that they really are the opposite sex. They convince each other that they have to fight for their lives because there are laws against chemical castration of little boys. And so they get radical. They get justified. I guarantee you that's what happened to this Audrey Hale person. I guarantee you. She had people on social media telling her, yeah, you're you're right. You're a vigilante. You just need to go do this. Like, you're totally justified. You are a victim. You know what? You you go. You go, dude. I guarantee you. She had people egging her on on social media that helped radicalize her. In fact, there was this like very self-aware post on Twitter that I found really remarkable. Um, and it was posted by a user, uh, Takes Hold, I guess. And it was posted the other day. It was actually removed by a moderator. And then it was also removed by Reddit Legal because Reddit is very pro-trans. And so you're not allowed to say anything critical, especially on a trans group. But this person, I don't know if this person identifies as transgender, but they make a lot of really good points in this post that ended up being removed. Trans posters and trans forums and trans accounts on Twitter regularly promote violence against, quote, Nazis and turfs and fascists. They mean it. They want violence. They talk about punching, shooting, stabbing, beating with baseball bats, and they put images of rifles on trans flags. When you look at the targets of the rhetoric, most of the targets aren't actually Nazis. They're dissident voices, conservative Christians and feminists and everyday people who don't hold the fringe beliefs about sex that many trans people hold. I saw a video last week of a 72-year-old butch woman being punched full force, closed fist, by a bearded trans rights protester in New Zealand. I saw trans people commenting to minimize or justify it. The community tells trans youth that they're under attack, under the threat of genocide, tells them death before detransition. The community says trans kids are being killed by legislation. Two trans people have now taken guns into schools and literally killed children as revenge. The murderous and suicidal rhetoric, the violence against women and children should have stopped years ago. Another good time to discontinue it would be now. I go into the trans subs to see that almost every reaction to the murder of young children is self-concern. I'm the victim here. I'm in more danger than ever before. This is genocide against us. Every time this murder's identity and, and motives are mentioned, we are being killed. There's a problem. This person says you can't fix it alone. It's horrific. It's immense and intense, and it's overwhelming. There would have to be a consensus that things need to change. I don't know what that would take. Maybe it's too late, and this is what the trans movement has become. This is how it ends. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think that any last remaining sympathy or understanding that people, that conservatives had for gender confusion and gender ideology has completely dissipated now. And it's not just because of what happened in Nashville. It's because of the reaction to it. It's because of the ghouls and the media and politicians who have no tear to shed for the people who were murdered. And they're the ones who want us to believe that it's because of compassion that they want to confiscate guns. Come on. Um, Tucker Carlson had a really interesting segment where he talked about uh, gender ideology, transism being the mirror image, the opposite of Christianity. Um, and I would argue that that is true in a lot of ways. I thought he made a lot of very theologically, philosophically um, astute points. He says, uh, the trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy. In Christianity, the price of admission is admitting you're not God. Christians openly can see that they have no real power over anything and for that matter, very little personal virtue. Now, I would argue that is true. Um, this argument that 
of of another ideology being the mirror image of Christianity, being a perversion of Christianity, that is really true of progressivism in general. It's not just transgenderism. Transgenderism may be a denomination of progressivism, but really progressivism is, again, the God of self. It is the worship of the God of self rather than the God of scripture. It is believing that you are your own God, so everything else must be sacrificed on the altar of your desires. Um, I mean, we have been talking about that for probably five years on this podcast. I dedicated a segment of my book to that. So, I mean, Tucker Carlson is absolutely right, but it's actually more than just transgenderism. It's progressivism in general. And if you understand, I've talked to James Lindsay about this, if you understand like the social justice movement, its origins, its history, where it's going, it really is the mirror image to Christianity in the sense that it gives you different doctrines, it gives you different principles principles to live by. Um, And it also promises a form of paradise. It promises a different kind of eschatology than what Christianity offers. It offers a different kind of kingdom here on earth where everyone is gender fluid and totally equal and we can live happily in communism and that we can all enjoy the fruits of our activism forever. Like they believe that that is the kind of world that we're, they're working toward. And they believe that self-worship is going to get them there. That is the mirror image, the exact opposite of Christianity. It's satanic. And that's why when I see Christians dabble in it at all, I'm like, dude, you can't. You can't. Progressivism won't let you worship God and worship and worship it. It won't. Like you will eventually be totally given over to depravity if you dabble in the side of progressivism at all. It is anti-God. It is anti-Christian. And like, let me just like read you some examples of that. So before we do that, let me tell you about our next and last sponsor for the day, and that is My Patriot Supply. So you guys know the future is unstable. We're talking about this stuff this week, but we often talk about the food supply, the supply chain, the economy, how unsure things are, and you just need to make sure that your family is taken care of. You need to make sure that you have an emergency food supply kit at home um, and that if something should happen where you can't get the food from the grocery store that you need, that you're taking care of at least for a few months. So get an emergency food supply kit from My Patriot Supply. Buy one kit for every member of your family. It's a three-month emergency food supply kit. We have it in our house. Hopefully, you'll never have to use it. It's good for 30 years, so you've got a a long time, but you'll feel better knowing it's there. Should anything happen to you, your specific family or your community or the country, whatever it is, at least you will feel comfortable knowing that you have this in your pantry and that your family is not going to starve. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now you'll save $200 per kit and enjoy free shipping mypatriotsupply.com mypatriotsupply.com okay so here's Beth Moore's daughter Amanda Jones and uh she was at one point a pastor's wife I don't know if she is anymore this this is like such a stunning response this was again the day of I think it was the day of these kids being murdered in Nashville Here's how she responded to this story on Twitter. She has since deleted her account, which is also incredible. Uh, shout out to um, Beret and Millennial on uh, 
on Twitter for screenshotting this, circulating it, and then allowed people to see it. And then I guess inspired Amanda to shut down her account, at least temporarily. She said, if I have to homeschool my kids to keep them alive, I will give them an education so woke. So social justice oriented, they will be a stench in the nostrils of the GOP. I will take pleasure in it every single day. Okay, so these kids, these people were just murdered by someone who was, who, who was woke herself, who subscribes to this so-called woke ideology. I mean, that is what led her to believe that she is the opposite sex. And you're saying that you are going to indoctrinate your kids with an ideology who believes that? Like, again, these people who profess to be Christians, like, you don't, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. You've got a heart of, this is what I'm talking about when I say hearts of stone and brains of mush. This tweet, like, if I had, like, a glossary of terms that I use and definitions, I would put this tweet by heart of stone, brain of mush, Amanda Jones, this tweet. I mean, you literally don't understand anything. You don't understand anything about progressive ideology. You don't understand anything about Christian theology, which is actually incredible. But I really mean that. Like, if this is your response to kids being murdered, especially by someone who believed they were the opposite sex, like, you are completely and totally depraved and ignorant of anything that is going on. And ignorant is like the nicest thing that I can say about a tweet like this. That this is your focus, that this is the direction that you want to go. I just want you to know that if you indoctrinate your kids with the wokest and most social justice oriented ideology that you can, and if you're successful, like if God chooses not to protect your kids from your insanity that you're teaching them, like they will end up hating you. They will end up hating God. They will end up rejecting church. They will end up rejecting any good parts of theology that your mom once taught you growing up. I promise you that. Like if you accomplish successfully indoctrinating your kids with the ideology that you're talking about, they will end up hating everything that is good and right and true. But hey, at least you stuck it to the GOP. Good job, Amanda. Great response. Jen Hatmaker, of course, she posted on Instagram about gun control and uh, the need for the need for gun control. And you know what? Like, you're allowed to believe these things. You're allowed to advocate for these things. It wasn't the most egregious post um, that I've ever seen, but I do think it's important for me to kind of look at a couple of the claims that she made. She's talking about the importance of gun control, the importance of background checks, the importance of the regulations on guns, the guns are the problem, the mental health is not the problem. Some of the people who liked this post, I'm not going to call them out, but they're Christian influencers that you follow, that you believe are solid and yet are constantly falling for progressive narratives on everything. I'll just say that. You can check the post out for yourself. Um, so this person is uh, talking about a shooting that just happened in Denver. Uh, you can look that up and you can see probably why you haven't heard about that. Also, Colorado has pretty strict gun laws. And then she's talking about this Nashville shooting, how all of this shows that we need more gun regulation. It is true that homicides uh, for kids under the age of 18, it is the number one killer if you're looking at 
Um, if you're looking at all of the different ways that someone might die by a weapon, firearms are definitely the most likely. Now, that's if you exclude abortion. Obviously, abortion is going to trounce trounce gun deaths every time. You have hundreds of thousands, almost millions of abortions every year in this country. And in 2019, uh, we had 669 murders by firearms of people under the age of 18. And so I'm not saying that that's not tragic. I'm not saying that that's not a problem that shouldn't be addressed and shouldn't be fixed. I'm just saying like if we're looking at scale here, if we're looking at the priorities, millions of babies in this country are legally aborted by different kinds of weapons um, every every year. So I also, I just think that that is at least important to know. Okay, so here is the awkward truth, the uncomfortable truth about gun deaths, especially of youths in America. It is, and I'm not saying that this is not a problem. I'm not saying that this doesn't matter. I'm just saying this is not a problem everywhere. This is, the vast majority of this is gang violence. The vast majority of this are um, inner cities, gang violence happening among teenagers using not AR-15s, but handguns. So I'm a little confused when people use this statistic to say that we need to be doing something about guns because they always do it in the wake of a school shooting in which like an AR-15 was was used. And then they say, well, look at all of these gun deaths that happen every year. Okay, the vast, vast, vast 99.9% of those gun deaths were by handguns, not by AR-15s. And if you're looking at kids being killed by gang violence, they are being killed by people who are not allowed to have those guns in the first place. I would wager, just knowing that most of this is gang violence, most of this is happening in Democrat-run cities, that a lot of these guns are already gotten illegally. So, like, we're just going to need to break this down a little bit more. We're going to have to look at who is actually wielding these guns, killing the kids? Why is this happening? Where is this happening? What are the laws on the books in these places that would be preventing these kids from getting these guns? Why aren't they being enforced? So before we talk about taking guns away from law-abiding people, let us look at the laws on the books where these gun deaths are happening and seeing if the DA is even charging these murderers and these criminals with the crimes that they are committing in order to stop this kind of stuff. Like, if we really cared, we wouldn't just go out there and say, well, you know, let's take guns away from law-abiding people. We would look at where this is happening, why this is happening, how this is happening. But people don't want to talk about that. Because it's easier to just say, well, I'm empathetic, so let's take away everyone's guns or let's make it harder for people to get guns. I'm not against those conversations. I'm really not. I'm really not. I'm not against it. Like if if you can bring the legislation to the table that that shows me, okay, this would have stopped Audrey Hale from doing this. This is going to drastically reduce gun deaths while still allowing law-abiding citizens to protect themselves with guns. Like I'm willing to hear it. But you're going to have to come to the table with me and be willing to look at the facts. Be willing to look at the why and the how underneath. Be willing to look at the cultural and moral rot that is in this country. Like if I'm going to come to the table and I'm going to look at these legal and policy solutions, you're going to come to the table and we're going to talk about what is actually underneath all of this. Because like I said on Tuesday, guns have not changed in America. The AR-15 has been around since the 1950s. It was around for 40 years before it was used in any kind of mass shooting. 
Guns have always been around. We've always had tens of millions of guns, hundreds of millions of guns in America. We have always had guns. We have not always had the degeneracy and the value system that we have today. So if I'm going to come to the table and talk to you about legislation that actually makes sense, honors the Second Amendment while actually protecting people's lives, you're going to have to come to the table and you're going to have to talk to me about how our increased godlessness and the disintegration of the family and community has caused this kind of violence. And maybe that the ideology that you are constantly purporting and pushing is causing the division and the hate and the virus that you are, the violence that you say that you're against. It's also a virus. So, um, okay. We didn't get to talk about this yesterday. So I just I just want to play a couple clips from or on Tuesday from Biden. I know this is a long episode, but um let me just let me just play these two clips and we can just do them. We can just do them back to back. I'll I'll lead into them and you can hear how the president of the United States is dealing with this. Uh the first one, he's joking that he doesn't believe that Christians were targeted. And the second one, he's also joking. So I think the first one that we're going to play is from yesterday. The second one that we are going to play was from the day that it happened. He was supposed to address an audience about what happened in Nashville. And it's like, it's very weird. So let's play, let's play them back to back. I have no idea. Josh Foley believes they were. What do you say to that? Well, I probably don't then. No, I have no idea. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. That was literally, that last one was literally before he was about to address the audience about the Nashville shooting. This is not before he knew it happened. This is not a different instance. He's a freaking weirdo who was losing his mind. The first one he was being asked after getting off the helicopter, do you think that children were being targeted in this shooting? And he said, I don't know. And then Josh, they said, Josh Hawley, who was a Republican senator from Missouri, thinks that they were, oh, then I probably don't. I'm just joking. Okay. And just to just to close this out, I meant to say this earlier and I forgot. Um, Aaron McIntyre makes a good point. And I didn't think about this, I guess, because I'm used to this kind of thing. But he says, no, corporations won't be standing in solidarity with murdered Christians. No, that isn't hypocrisy. It's a very clear message. I hope you hear it. I hope you understand the enormity of the task before you. It's not hypocrisy that these corporations aren't lighting up their buildings in honor of Christians. It's not hypocrisy that these large corporations aren't going to put out statements against anti-Christian, uh, against anti-Christian persecution. They're not going to be sitting their Christian employees down and asking them if they feel traumatized. No, they're going to continue to have trans days of awareness. I mean, there's large corporations that I can think of that actually on the day, on the day that these children were being murdered, were having like, and let's honor trans people day. No, they're not going to honor you. They're not going to think about you. They're not going to shed a tear about you. They're going to talk about taking your guns away so that you can't defend your family. They're not going to talk about how scared you might feel right now. 
End Wokeness is an account that tweeted NYC lit up to show solidarity with Black people, Ukrainians, LGBTQ+, and Christians. The last one is blank because, of course, New York would never do that. And look, I'm not looking for that kind of solidarity. I'm not. I don't I don't care. I, I don't want I don't want the world's approval. I don't need their pat on the back. I don't need their accolades. I don't need them to light up their buildings. Look, we know who wins in the end. Again, go back, read Psalm 37. Read Psalm 24. We know who's in charge. We know who gets the last laugh. We know who will be victorious. We could gain the whole world if we wanted to. You can. You can gain the whole world. Give up Christianity. Give up your belief system. But you will lose your soul. So I'm okay with losing the world and gaining my soul. Again, let me read you just to close out. Jesus' words in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It is what it is. Let's count the cost, Christian. Let's move forward as Christians have for 2,000 years, being beacons of clarity and courage, not backing down on what we know was good and right and true, but doubling down on it. And remember, I love this quote, and it just came to mind, so I forget who said it. I am immortal. This is a paraphrase. I am immortal until God decides to take me home. You are immortal until God's time for you to die, to go home, comes. He's completely sovereign over you. He has already determined all of your days. That means that we get to move forward in absolute boldness. So let's continue to do that. All right. This is a long episode. I had a lot to say. I had a lot to say. Uh, We will be back here on Tuesday. Let's see. Do I have any announcements? Uh, Did I say Tuesday? I meant to say Monday. I don't know what I was thinking. We will be back here on Monday. Um, I don't think I have any announcements for us. I think that's it. Leave us a five-star review if you love this podcast. Uh, Remember, Ben, Mother's Day is coming up. Buy your wife some relatable merch. Also, women, buy it for yourselves. There's lots of good stuff out there. Go Allie, Go to AllieMerch.com. You can use promo code Allie10 for 10% off. All right, that's all we got for today. We will see you back here on Monday. <laughs>